Welcome to a new episode of LiveWire. This is entitled Leadership's Sister. Uh, the author, um, John Maxwell, says that communication is the sister of leadership and he's absolutely right. If you're a leader, you can't be a great leader without being at least a good communicator or understanding some basic communication skills. So in this uh, episode, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at um, seven principles to help your communication be much better than they have been in the past. Now, let me just show you a, a short video that I always think is uh, entertaining to watch, just to make it a simple point. So uh, just take a look at this. Listen to me, listen to me. Like, like I do this all the time, and if I go out at the, at the house with the door, Matthew has his toys, and then Matthew has all his toys. Okay. But I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Like everything they do at this house, they can't touch everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. Linda, but listen to me. Look at if we do something, if you get that out, that birthday off, you're gonna break it. Okay, but I'm asking. I'm letting you know but that you cannot. You know, Linda, no, Linda, I'm. Look at, look at. You're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Listen to me now. Listen to me. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes, and you try to get cupcakes, and you try to ask Grandma. Linda, Didn't you? Linda, lick it, lick it, lick it. If we do something right out this, if we, if we get close up, you can't even get them. You're going to burn your butt. What's going to burn your butt? No. You and Kevin don't listen. So I have to give both of you guys pop pals in your butt. But Linda, but Grandpa's going to give you pals in your butt. No, he's not. Yeah. I have to, you want? You don't want me to hit Kevin or you don't want me to spank you? No. Why? Because anybody wants to spank me. Then I have to spank Kevin. The, the, but, he's the, but he's my little pop He's your little pop but he doesn't listen. But Linda, honey, honey, look at, look at this. Right oh, now, you oh, can't do anything if we can't get everything out of the wall. If we're going to break everything down. I'm not breaking anything down. I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot it, have it, cupcakes it, for dinner. It, Linda, Linda. Like this thing, I never belong to you. Anything you can get, anything and anything and anything. I'm done arguing with you. I'm done arguing with you. You need to listen to the things that I say, cause I'm the mom and I'm no, the adult. No, no, look at, listen to me. All the time to get them the, the, this thing, this 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 thing, the. I'm done arguing with you. So I always find that really interesting to watch. Here's a little boy who actually is quite good at communicating. He's arguing about cupcakes, um, but he's thinking through the process of what he's trying to get across. And uh, like many things in life, some of us have natural gifts and some of us are naturally not as gifted. And communication is one of those areas where, like a muscle, the more you exercise it, the stronger it grows. And so this episode is really an exercise in growing that communication muscle and really want to emphasize again that this is not about a particular type of communication. So these principles apply to 
one-to-one -one communication. They apply to one-to-many, for instance, public speaking or um, written communication, but they also apply to many-to-many -many where you're setting up communication systems and you want people to reinforce a message uh, throughout an organization. So one-to-one, uh, one-to-many, -one, one -many, and many-to-many. So we're going to go through various principles with you. And uh, the first one out of the seven is this, be strategic. In his really popular TED talk, Simon Sinek talks about how um, good organizations uh, communicate their vision by sharing first the what, what they do, then how they do it. And if you scratch the surface and really dig deep, you eventually find out why they do it. But great organizations are very strategic in they present first why they do something, then how they do it, their values, if you like, and then what they actually do. A great example of that might be Apple. Apple's why is basically they believe that um, work can be fun and design can be beautiful and functional and make life easier and be something that's attractive. Uh, their how is through design, simplistic, pretty, beautiful design. Uh, their what is, well, they do computers, uh, they do watches, they do um, uh, iPods, they do iPads, they do a number of different things, but essentially their why comes first. And I want you to think about that in the organization, the team that you're involved in. So on Pays, our why is that we're hoping and believing that one day every Christian's primary mission will be to advance the kingdom of God and they'll be equipped to do it the way Jesus modeled it. That's our vision. Our how is a three-step process. Bring a new concept, bring new tools, and then show proof of concept. Our what is, well, we do all sorts of things. We do our apprenticeships, we do schools ministry, we do uh, ministry in businesses, we have conferences, um, we have a youth academy, we have all sorts of different things we do, but our why is that we're missionaries who make missionaries, and that's the clear central message of what we do. So let's look at our first workshop. What is your why, how, and what? So create a simple why, how, and what statement for your vision, product, or event. If in a team, do the same for a joint vision, product, or event. So first tell us your why, then your how, your values or principles, if you like, your process, and then what, what you actually do. So take a few minutes just thinking through that. Um, keep it simple. Really, it's about putting the horse before the cart, presenting your why first, painting a picture of what you're believing can happen, uh, and then allowing the hows and the whats later to follow. Number two, be different. This is really straightforward, but very important. Uh, when you're communicating, you want to major on what makes your message specific and unique and minor on what makes it generic. So there are certain things when you're talking that probably people already know, minimize them, keep them to the very, very basics and give more time to the things that are either fresh or new or unique about what you are saying. I remember hearing a friend of mine speak recently and he had four or five points. Four of them I'd heard lots and lots of times before. He said one thing that was really interesting, but actually only gave it a short amount of time. What I would have done is spent most of my message on that unique thought that he had. 
and probably just covered the, all, the other four very, very quickly. So if you want to communicate, be different. If you have to say things people already know really well, then try and think of a different way of saying those things. If you're consistently different and unique without being crazy, then what's gonna happen is every time you open your mouth, people are gonna to wanna to listen to what you say, they're gonna lean forward. If all you ever say is what everybody already knows and you take a long time saying it, then people will switch off immediately. Number three, be simple. Uh, we're gonna talk about a simple technique now called cattle gating, which is a way of avoiding something else that's called choice overload. In other words, the more choices or the more different things you tell someone, the less likely they are to adapt or adopt one of those things and take it to heart or act on it. So there's some really interesting experiments being done on this. Uh, there's um, a well-known one that's talked about um, about a company that had lots and lots of different types of jams and marmalades. So they decided to figure out how they could best sell their marmalades and jams. And they did two experiments. In one experiment, they put out 24 choices on a stand and people came up and tasted them and sampled them and decided if they wanted to buy them. On another stand, they put only six choices. And again, people could come and sample them and if they wanted to buy them. And they noticed something very interesting. On the stand with lots and lots of different choices, more people uh, tasted and tried and sampled them, but far less people actually bought something. Whereas on the smaller stand with only six choices, less people came to sample them, but more of those who did sample them actually bought them because they'd avoided choice overload. One of the problems when you first start to communicate is you want to fit everything in. I remember writing my first book and I thought, this may be my only book, I need to cram everything in. And the problem with that is uh, people walk away with too many choices, too many ideas, and they actually don't implement or choose any of them. So you want to find a simple theme. My little expression is you want something to be simple, but not shallow. You want a simple theme, but layer it with different aspects or mosaics, but there's one strong theme that comes across. And I would encourage you therefore to be simple. You see this on good websites. On good websites, you go on and it gives you one, maybe two or three choices. When you click on that one or two, three choices, it gives you more options. You click on that and it gives you more options. They don't give you all the options straight away. When you're networking, you don't want to go into great detail about everything. You want to talk about one simple thing and then give people options of things you can tell them more about if they're interested. So keep your communication simple. Certainly when you first present a message, give them one or two options or one simple theme. Number four, be memorable. The best way of being memorable is to create some kind of defining moment. So for instance, when I speak, occasionally I will create some kind of creative response that people need to take or give them an option that they can take. Perhaps is a better way of saying that. So um, for instance, um, if I talk about getting your hands dirty in, in mission, uh, I might put um, some buckets with dirt in them and people's response rather than simply standing up for prayer in a, in a church service might be they come forward, roll up their sleeves, put their hands in dirt 
and then go and place their hands on a whiteboard, create a mark, and then with a, a pen, write the name of someone they're gonna speak to or someone they're gonna invest in their lives in. So something that's memorable. I wouldn't do it every time I speak because it becomes just um, white noise eventually, but being memorable really helps. Another way of doing this is um, embodying in some way your message. So somehow either wearing something or doing something that as you're communicating is embodying your message. Uh, sometimes you can do that through a mosaic using taste and smell and sight and sound to um, emphasize the one theme, that simple theme that you're trying to get across. I remember doing a schools lesson uh, many, many years ago, not long after Oasis, the band had brought out their famous song, Don't Look Back in Anger. And we did a whole uh, lesson on forgiveness and bitterness. And we had the, the music, that song playing as um, the students entered. And we had a game where they would bite into sour le uh, limes and fruit that were, were bitter tasting. And we did this kind of mosaic to help them remember it. Um, but again, embodying that message is probably the most powerful way of doing that. And with that in mind, let's go to our second workshop. Please read the story of Jeremiah Stepek. And once you've read through the story, ask yourself the following question. What defining moments could I have created for the last message I shared? Then share your ideas with others. So read through the story and then think back to the last message or communication that you sent out and ask, is there a way we could have, or I could have um, embodied that more? Um, take time to read this, the story of this guy and hopefully you'll see what I mean by that. Number five, be disciplined. Don't marginalize your message. Uh, be really, really careful that you don't throw in less important kind of controversial things that are gonna take the emphasis off, off the more important things that you wanna share. So for me, I have to discipline myself in politics. Um, with my social media, uh, there are something, so many things in uh, politics right now that I would absolutely love to weigh in. And I've got some strong opinions on certain things, uh, but I realized that unfortunately, um, much of the audience I have, I'll be really honest with you, aren't always able to um, pick the meat from the bones as I was trained to do uh, as a young person. Uh, it's kind of all or nothing. So for instance, if I made a political comment about one political party, uh, positive or negative, then sadly, uh, what I found is that some people will just think, oh, well, he's, uh, he's Democrat or he's Republican or he's whatever, and then not be able to listen to the more important thing that I'm sharing. I think personally that the enemy is really, um, really undermined um, the evangelical church in America because of the way that the evangelical church has, has connected itself so much to politics. And for me personally, there's no one political, uh, political party that represents me anyway. Um, so I discipline myself. I don't mention politics as much as sometimes I really want to get on Facebook or I really want to get up and stand up on a platform and share something. I don't. Because my message is about making missionaries and about seeking the kingdom first. Now, for some other people, they may be called into politics, so that's a different thing. But be wise, be disciplined. Don't throw in just random comments 
that are a little bit controversial just to get people interested. Keep focusing on the main thing you want to get across and don't let small things that are less important can they distract from the bigger things that are really important to what you want to share. So be disciplined as a speaker. And the other part of being disciplined as a speaker is this, the more prepared you are, the less you're gonna waffle. And the less you waffle, the less you're gonna say something that's silly or distracts from your message. So nothing beats hard work, nothing beats preparation when it comes to communication and discipline. Number six, be them. This is the key to communication. It's the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes, to be your hearer rather than just be you as the communicator. And this is really interesting because the more you can do this, the more powerful your communication will be. If you can think, if I was hearing this for the first time as them, what would I actually be hearing? And what about this would actually convince me? As an example of this, there's a really interesting story that asks this question, what is more important, to be right or to be understood? So there's a great story when the Sadducees come to Jesus and in order to prove that there's no life after death, they give him a case scenario. And they say to him, imagine this woman marries various men on earth and then one day goes to heaven, who will she be married to? It's kind of a trick question. Well, first of all, Jesus explains, actually, there's no marriage in heaven. And then he uses something really interesting. He uses certain verses to um, prove his points. What's strange is the verses he use, uses, because they're verses from the first five books of the Bible, first five books of the Tanakh, the, the law of Moses, the five books of Moses. And yet what's interesting is there are better, more obvious verses to use to prove his point in the rest of the Old Testament. So why does he use these first five books? It's really simple because they're the only books that the Sadducees believed were useful or were authoritative to prove a legal point about the law. And again, it leads us to this question, what's more important to be right or to be under? stood. So what Jesus could have done is what I see lots of Christians do sometimes on social media. He could have just lobbed spiritual grenades, just Bible verses at people, just try to prove his points. So when he saw something they didn't like, as you see people do on social media, you know, someone says something that annoys them or they watch a video and they just kind of throw, they just kind of throw out their Bible verses to prove their rights. Jesus didn't do that. What Jesus did was he sought a conversation and then he built that conversation on some kind of foundation they already knew as authoritative in their own life and they already believed was true. He knew that they were convinced about the first five books of the Bible being authoritative to argue in terms of law. And so he used them rather than taking an easier approach and choosing more obvious verses and just throwing them at them. So what's more important to you, to be right or to be understood? Be them and your communication will be so much better. So take the time to put yourself in their situation. Number seven, be certain. You have to remember that what you communicate is not what you say, it's what is heard. So many years ago, we wanted to teach a lesson in a school 
uh, based on C.S. Lewis's trilemma, um, God, mad or bad, or mad, bad or God. And in this trilemma, you explain to people that Jesus was either mad, he was either bad, manipulating people, or he was God, because of some of the things he said about himself, he could not simply have been a good man. So we went into the school and we presented this lesson. Anyway, on the way back, I was a bit unsure that we'd really communicated what we wanted to communicate. And I said to the team, do you think that worked? Uh, do you think they understood? And the team in the car said to me, well, we understood it, so they must have understood it. But that's not true. So we changed it. The next day we went back. I told the teacher we changed the lesson a little bit. The teacher said, that's great. We love the lesson, but look at the feedback. So when I looked at the feedback, I saw comments like this. I used to believe that Jesus was God, but now I know he could have been mad or bad as well. This is the reason why I would never go into a school and simply say, Jesus wants to be a father to you. Because I realized that phrase, a father, means 35 different things to 35 different people. And I wanted to be certain that they were hearing what I was really saying. So I would maybe say God is a father, but I would unpack what kind of father he was. I wanted to be certain they were hearing what I was really trying to communicate. And the best way of doing that is getting people to repeat it back to you. So if you want to be a great communicator, find a way of getting feedback. Find a way of maybe before you finish communicating halfway through, find out if people are tracking with you and they're repeating back to you what you're saying. With that in mind, we're going to play a game called Rinse and Repeat as our final workshop. So for this workshop, you'll need at least one other person or ideally a team. And there are three steps to play Rinse and Repeat. Number one, start by sharing a one to two minute talk on something you are keen to teach or promote. Then get Lowe's hearing to repeat back what they heard and finally, repeat your talk to emphasize the point you're really trying to make. Okay, so really simple. You share your thoughts, they repeat it back to you. You listen to see if what the main thing you were trying to say was lost, uh, if there were too many other things they were thinking of, uh, if maybe your main point was hidden amongst everything else, or maybe they even misunderstood what you were trying to say, and then you repeat it again. Um, so this whole idea is just a way of uh, helping you get feedback, um, have, have some kind of points within your communication where you can figure out if people are really tracking with you. And uh, so you can be certain because communication is so incredibly important to so many aspects of our lives. Hopefully these seven tips have helped you improve in your communication skills. Thank you so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time. Goodbye.